Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Second City Improv Classes. They are offering a free drop-in class to listeners of this podcast Go to secondcity.com slash CanadaLand to learn about early bird discounts and to claim your free drop-in class. Try it out yourself. Omar, oh my God, I went on vacation for one week. One week, man. And uh, what do we have? I mean, we have Vice Magazine editor soliciting employees at Vice and freelancers to act as his drug mules. We have a 20-month investigation from Robin Doolittle into the fact that the, the, the cops are throwing out, of, of the sexual assault cases that do get reported, they're just throwing out one in five, and the federal government is stepping in to do something about it. We have the the results of this huge public policy forum news consultation. They want a $400 million a year fund to bail out the news media paid for from a tax from Google and Facebook. Omar, we have time for none of those things. 
I, I think it's evidence that you need to take more vacations. Anytime there's a slow news week, Jesse Brown needs to hop on a plane. Uh, we are going to talk about all of those things in depth on Canada Land episodes, uh, hopefully with the people who reported those stories and with the people at the center of them in the weeks to come. But of course, uh, we are not talking about those things today because we need to talk about I was out of town during the massacre in Quebec. I was out of town during the Trump Muslim ban when all of that broke. I got to catch up. Omar Mualam, fancy writer for The New Yorker, for The Guardian, Rolling Stone, etc., etc. You're going to help me out with these things? Yeah, I'll, let's let's talk. Good to have you back. Welcome to Canada Land Shortcuts. Thanks for having me on again. This episode is brought to you by Vanessa Selix, Stefan Sutcliffe, MK, Aliyah Jessa, Laura, Kevin Milligan, TJ Perkins, and Andrew Lewin. Andrew, why did you decide to be awesome? Because you provide a perspective on Canadian media that makes me think. Uh, and I really appreciate that. It makes me think about Canada and how Canada can be better. This episode is also brought to you, Omar, by a new sponsor, Second City Improv Classes. Have you ever taken an improv class? I've never taken an improv class. I have uh, performed an improv, though. I don't know who let me do that. Was that like I used to do that when I was younger? It's super fun. It's incredibly fun. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, improv's a, improv's a blast. I always enjoyed it. And then in my adult life, it's just something that I figure, oh, people who chose that do that. But, you know, I've, I've been itching to try it out because more and more people are doing it, not because they think they're going to make it in comedy, but because it, it actually kind of enriches your life by teaching you ways to collaborate with people and ways to interact. And it's something that people are doing for corporate training now at Fortune 500 companies. Academics and influencers ranging from Malcolm Gladwell, all right, to Oxford University, to the founder of Twitter have been extolling the life-changing benefits of improv classes. Second City is the place to go for this. This is where Stephen Colbert went, Tina Fey, John Candy, Gilda Radner. It, it is something at any age, regardless of whether or not you're doing this for fun, for personal development, whatever. People, if you are interested in this at all, and I think it's everybody should do this at least once, visit secondcity.com slash CanadaLand to learn about early bird discounts and to claim your free drop-in class. Try it out for yourself. We begin with breaking news. Tonight at a mosque in Quebec City, at least one gunman opened fire. With major breaking news, a mass shooting at a mosque in Quebec City late tonight. Shooting the at a mosque in. outside Quebec City in Canada has left six people dead and eight injured. Okay, Omar, those are some uh, early sounds of how this was reported. And it, it overtook the news cycle uh, last week. I mean, first of all, is, is, is my sense of this correct? Do you also get the sense that for something of this magnitude, I mean, this is horrible. It's not supposed to happen in Canada. Six people just murdered while they're praying. And now it feels like we're on to other things. Am I wrong in feeling that or do you get that sense as well? No, I, I think I think it's been fading. I think that's that's pretty clear. I'm not sure if it would be any different if it was a synagogue or a church, but um, I, I think what we all know in journalism is that there are diminishing returns the more that you report on a story. So, you know, even if you, um, you know, correct the facts as, as some of these other uh, news media have had to do because they, they stated some, some wrong claims, some erroneous things, uh, people are less likely to notice. And so I guess the a question is, like, how do you get your audience to still, still pay attention to something like this? A, a week, two weeks, a month later. I'm I'm not really sure. I think though this is maybe 
I think maybe this is the time for our news media to go a little bit deeper into what may have caused Alexandra Bizonet's uh, attack, contextualize it a little bit more. We can be this is this is a good time to be doing investigations into the rise of reactionary right wing groups like the Soldiers of Odin or offshoots like Storm Alliance or the pathology of secular extremists. We could be looking into Quebec's very blatant Islamophobia problem. There are maybe some newspapers that are saying, well, we've, you know, we've already done this. Um, We've already talked about Marine Le Pen's visit to Quebec City, which supposedly catalyzed Alexander Bizonet's extremism. Um, But, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to rehash some of those stories. Um, if, If you're wondering, as a media company, how to stretch your dollars, get more bang for your buck, Um, as journalists, well, maybe if we develop these kinds of timeless features that contextualize attacks like this or contextualize current events like this, we we can bring them back. We can drive them back to our front pages because I think people's memories are are short. I'm I'm reminded of an Onion article that keeps popping up. And yes, I know it's an Onion article, but it is, um, you know, the FBI uncovers an Al-Qaeda plot to just sit back and enjoy the collapse of the United States. This is an article that's almost, you know, three years old and it keeps coming back. It's still relevant. Um, I think that that is maybe, you know, maybe one way that we give a story, a current event, how we give current event stories legs. Yeah, I I feel like we haven't even begun to really deal with with the the implication of this. And I think that it might have to do with the fact that the news as it broke was broken. And I I don't think that anyone immediately was there. I don't think there was any uh, bias and and, uh, the way the circumstances played out. Uh, without with the one witness who said that there were two men and then the cops arresting two men and all of the confusion in the media. And, you know, there were the usual voices, uh, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be named John Smith. Uh, and the, the, you know, those comments, I read many of them where people were, you know, we all have to be, you know, patient and wait for the media to tell us what we already know, uh, which is that these were Muslim attackers. And then, of course, when it's revealed that it, that it was not, uh, those people just sort of scurry away. Um, yeah. I think that that confusion in the early stages, if, if we had known from the start, this is a racist crusading like you his his uh, social media profile used these these paintings of crusaders that the alt right is very fond of uh who is a known anti-feminist trump supporter troll who went and did a hate mass murder a hate-based mass murder act of terror as trudeau originally described it and and later i think they backed away from that uh i think that if we knew out the gate that, that was the case we may be having a more fulsome uh discussion right now about like the real threat in canada and I think that, you know, everybody's been bracing for this, not just in Canada, like all of this stuff that, that Trump has been whipping up, violence is where that's going to go. And it's happened in, in, in many uh, lesser uh, in- incidents. But it turns out that the first mass killing that is uh, arguably Trump inspired is one that happened in Canada. And that initial confusion has proven, though, I think that, you know, we have to assume that it was benign, the initial confusion. I have no reason to believe otherwise. But it has opened up a little bit of space for people to uh, insert conspiracy narratives. It has opened up space for Sean Spicer to cite it as a justification for the Muslim ban, even though this was something that arguably that administration is yeah. partially responsible for. Yeah. One, one of the more interesting things to, to come out of this was how conservative media clung to Trudeau's and uh, Quebec Premier Coulard's immediate condemnation uh, clung to their words that this was a terrorist attack. 
they took the noble part of it, which was that they were condemning an attack against Muslims as a terrorist attack, condemning essentially white terrorism. They took this cut off the convenient parts and then used it using their specific words to give the impression that it was perpetrated by Muslims, that it was, you know, another example of Muslims killing Muslims. And that is what people heard for the first few hours or days of reporting. And those things matter. That's how you shape people's understandings of, of, of an event for days to come. Yeah, it matters and it sticks and it makes it, uh, it introduces the shadow of a doubt. I'm going to uh, focus again, and I'm going to continue to focus on the rebel because Breitbart was laughed off by the mainstream press, and now Breitbart is running America. So I I am going to pay close attention to everything that comes out of that organization here. You know, conservatives in Canada are in disarray. Meanwhile, The Rebel has half a million YouTube subscribers. If you are running... Uh, for, for, for elected office, you cannot ignore this amazing base that they've built up. So it, we're going to see what they say and their messages normalized, and they have this incredible amount of free publicity for that that type of conservatism because it's just the same thing as everything with Canada. We just sort of ape what is coming at us from the states. So I I, I think that we have to keep a very close watch. They were so excited when this happened. And I'm going to I'm going to go just shy of saying that they were like happy to be reporting a a Muslim what they thought was a Muslim extremist terrorist attack. Within hours, they had uh, registered the URL QuebecTerror.com. They flew their uh, their their correspondent Faith Goldie. Faith Goldie, by the way, her Twitter account also has those Crusader images on her Twitter profile. And right from the start, she was. Basically suggesting as soon as we knew that the Moroccan gentleman at the scene was a good Samaritan who was wrongly charged and that was just made absolutely clear, she was fueling a conspiracy theory that uh, Tarek Fatah, also rebel-affiliated uh, pundit, basically, uh, you know, he was the one who said it most explicitly. Tarek Fatah tweeted that seems seems Canadians and Quebec governments are trying to cover up a Muslim shooter in the Quebec shooting. He's been turned into a state witness, erasing talk of Muslim-on-Muslim attack. A completely baseless uh, assertion from Tarek Fatah. Um, Faith Goldie didn't go that far, but I want I want to listen to her coverage. Let, let, let's listen to a little bit, and she's she issued a bunch of reports, and then when it seemed like she didn't have a leg to stand on for this to be uh, a, a Muslim extremist terrorist attack, she picked up and left back to Rebel World Headquarters in Toronto. But here's what her reports from the ground in Quebec City sounded like. Witnesses say that two men in hoods stormed their Muslim prayer service Sunday night and opened fire. Quebec has become home to a lot of radicalization. We do know that there are several teens who have fled the province and are understood to be uh, fighting with the Islamic State in Syria. Not to mention the fact that this mosque uh, has been the target of other so-called Islamophobic acts, including a severed pig's head with a misspelled note that read Bon Appetit. Are you worried that witnesses said that there were there was another suspect, that there were two men that ran in and that they ran, they said Allahu Akbar? Uh, uh, I, I don't... Wow. A nearby rival mosque. That was one of the first things the rebel put out there was that they were essentially trying to fuel like if this was a Muslim on Muslim attack, how could that be possible? Well, we found this YouTube clip that there's tension within the Muslim community in Quebec City. And if you watch the YouTube clip that they cite as this smoking gun evidence uh, proving their their theory that this that this uh, might tell us something about the true motives, it simply does not tell you anything to indicate that there's any kind of violence uh, or it's very so their evidence their evidence it seems is that um there is a rival mosque 
that someone in a French-speaking province misspelled Bon Appetit, could only be a brown person, could only be a foreigner, and that people were screaming Allahu Akbar in a mosque. Yes. I mean, guaranteed, there were there were more than a few people yelling and screaming it because it's the Arabic equivalent of, oh my God, that's the same thing people were screaming when the planes hit the the twin towers i mean my mom says allahu akbar when i spill coffee on her rug it it means nothing it it goes beyond that i mean we heard her in there uh questioning people this was after the authorities were saying there was only one shooter okay it it, it was a white guy the moroccan guy had nothing to do with it and she was still asking people on the street what do you think about these witness accounts that there were two men shouting allahu akbar um i don't know if hey they're just asking the questions they're just we're just asking the we're just asking the questions right but when their questions are proven to be based on (laughs) faulty assertions there in fact there were not multiple witnesses the the rebels own reporting now states there was one witness who said that there were two people shouting Allahu Akbar and uh, Faith Goldie there's no correction retraction there's no sense that uh, they had ever you wouldn't know from their record that they had misreported that in the first place and now we're to believe that Faith Goldie is continuing to investigate this I think that she has inserted into into a lot of people's minds a little bit of doubt that uh, perhaps, oh. perhaps the government of Canada is so slanted and doesn't want the public to know the truth, which is that there's uh, Islamic uh, terrorist uh, extremism, that they have actually been able to take one of the killers and present him as a Samaritan, turn him into a state witness and cover the whole thing up. That is a live conspiracy theory. And it's not a tiny little fringe thing because... Sean Spicer is essentially dog whistling that conspiracy theory when he says that the Quebec terrorist action is a reason why they need the Muslim ban. So that's how far a lie travels before the truth gets out the door. It's a terrible reminder of why we must remain vigilant and why the president is taking steps to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to our nation's safety and security. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very typical uh, denialist doubt casting that they're that they're using here, and you know, as I pointed out before, taking taking the premier's very or the prime minister's very convenient uh, words, you know, that this is a terrorist attack, and using that to to, to make people, I guess, when, when you when you doubt cast like this, you are giving people who have bigoted or um, racist assumptions who who have assumptions about Muslim people killing other Muslim people you're giving them just enough to stay comfortable in their thoughts that they don't have that you're not challenging them that they don't have to challenge their own prejudices right now because you know, they could hold on to this little thing to say well you know we don't we don't know all the facts um, you know the narrative keeps shifting First of all, as soon as you start talking about breaking news as a narrative, you're defying the very point of breaking news, that there is no narrative yet, that that these are just like the facts, that this is just the information coming in and not all of them are going to be correct. But what you see from from the rebel, too, is, you know, very, very little about Bissonnette's very obvious overt trail of racism. So, you know, if we're talking about narrative, then what are we supposed to get out of the fact that there is this far right white extremist and then this devout Muslim where they, you know, did they did they find a common ground in cold blood to savage some 
to to do a savage attack on a mosque. It made no sense from the beginning. Even when we were when we were still under the impression, I was on my vacation following this news, and I was uh, told that uh, oh, the cops have leaked the information of these two names. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, how how I, I something 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 smelled wrong to me uh, about, about like it was a fishy story from the beginning, and then it, I'm like, okay, now this makes sense. So just on that common sense level, the the, the original reporting, and and you know the other thing that we're not talking about uh, in the press that we should be talking about is. We were so eager to get those names, and you know, I, I believe it was a leak. It wasn't an official police statement when when the, the names of the uh, charged, supposed the two supposed shooters, only one of which turned out to be a shooter, alleged, uh, came out. You know, should we be talking about whether or not, like, what was the value of running those names before we were pretty damn sure about it? You know, um, I, I think that that's a question for the press to take on. I, I, I could go on, on on this one for a while, but we got some other stuff to cover, Omar. Sure. I am, I'm glad you're talking about it, though. I mean, I, I have in the past said that we shouldn't legitimize the rebel, but, you know, a lot of people a lot of people do get their news from there. I'm from a small northern Alberta town. The rebel appears in my Facebook feeds more than you might think. I, I think at this point they are the leading conservative information source in Canada. Oof, that's a terrifying thought. Omar, can you duly note something for me, please? Sure. I want to duly note this Toronto Life Q&A with Paul Godfrey of Post Media, where he continues to confirm everybody's assumptions that he is a uh, Bond villain. Um, I think at this point, he's kind of trolling the concerned newsreader. So it's it's very it's a short Q&A. You have to read it to believe some of what he says. The insight into his ambivalence about journalism is incredibly revealing. At one point, he's asked if if job cuts are eroding his product's quality. And he says, quote, are our newspapers as good as they used to be? No, but they haven't become unacceptable, which is, is quite the quite the motto. I mean, you got the, you know, that's, that's quite the motto for uh, for Canada's biggest. Listen, that, that'll drive subscriptions and it's great for morale. Um, there is there's also one more very revealing thing in that Q&A. He's asked if he uses social media and he says, no, but my son's forward tweets about me. Some of them are very ugly. And I think that reveals that his children hate him. <laughs> you know what? I, I uh, The one thing I like about Paul Godfrey over, say, a Philip Crawley or a John Hondrick is that, like, he'll give those interviews. And uh, it's all right there for yeah. you to see. Duly noted. Omar, I'm just going to duly note, I'm, I'm going to have an extensive look at the at the report itself about what the government should do to save the news business. But there was a report from Huffington Post that followed that exhaustive report saying that, that the liberal government sources within have told Athiya Raj at Huffington Post that there's no way in hell that they're going to actually do this. Um, so maybe that kind of is a bit of a spoiler before we actually get into the report and its recommendations, that there is a pretty strong indication that at least the biggest recommendation of creating this $400 million fund ain't going to happen. I'll talk about that with Ed Greenspan who's coming on the show again, but uh, we would be behind the times if I didn't point out that uh, there is indication from Ottawa ain't going to happen, to which I say, phew. Duly noted. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge 
research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars and I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Okay, Omar, now is the time on Shortcuts when we thank our second sponsor, Casper Mattresses. You seem like a person who appreciates a good mattress. I appreciate my Casper mattress. It is the best mattress I've ever slept on, and it is also a very affordable mattress. You can get around Big Mattress, the Big Mattress showrooms, the Big Mattress commissions, the power, the oppressive power of Big Mattress. It's behind you now. You are free and liberated with your very affordable Casper mattress. If you doubt me, you have nothing to lose by ordering a Casper mattress because you can sleep on it for 100 nights and just send it back if you don't like it. They'll give you your money back. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface, just the right sink, just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars, it is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Free shipping, free returns here in Canada and in the States. Try it 100 nights risk-free. Designed, developed, and assembled, my friends, in the United States of America. Go to casper.com slash CanadaLand and you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase when you use the offer code CanadaLand. Do it. Omar, we're going to talk about the Canadian impact of this Muslim ban, which at the moment uh, has been stopped by court order. We'll, we'll see what happens to it. But the, the immediate impact on Canada uh, is another example of... I think a lie that that just caught on like wildfire that we need to we need to correct. I'm going to get very specific here. Trudeau, of course, tweeted right when people were freaking out about this to those fleeing persecution, terror and war. Canadians will welcome you regardless of your faith. Now, that got like 427,000 retweets, 150,000 likes. Uh, the phrase Welcome to Canada started trending. And this was what the world wanted to hear is that other countries are going to come and and uh, basically shame America and, and, and pick up the slack of this moral failure uh, when America is sending uh, away every refugee and uh, uh, the seven countries, everything that's awful about this and ruining lives, Canada is going to step into that void. And in fact, that is exactly what was reported. There was a wire story that went out to a, a bunch of American news sources. The headline that PBS put to that wire story was, 
Trudeau says Canada will take refugees. Banned. He didn't say anything like that at all. He didn't say anything like that, and he ain't. The tweet should have said, to those fleeing persecution, terror, and war, Canada would welcome you if their government would do something about it. And that's absolutely right. We know uh, that Canada is not making one change. There's not one additional refugee that is going to be accepted into this country based on the Muslim ban in the United States. And that is absolutely something that we could change. They say that their hands are tied because of this uh, safe third country agreement. If, if a refugee tries to get sanctuary in one country, they're turned away. They can't just go to the next country. But the Canadian government has been told by 240 law professors that America has already violated that agreement and Canada does not need to be bound by it. We absolutely could do something to pick up the slack, but doing so would be thumbing our nose directly at Trump, taking Trump on in a direct way, which would endanger the diplomatic relations between Canada and the United States. And Trudeau is too much of a wimp to directly tweak Trump. And yet he's getting, this is the quintessential the brand of Justin Trudeau winning over the reality of this current government and of Justin Trudeau. It is like unconscionable that everybody, you you can hear this. I was listening to Pod Save America and they think that Canada is taking in these people. It's just not happening. And it's a nice rhetorical device for Americans to think that Canada, the good is, is is showing a, a shining glowing example of what America could be. But that is a dangerous conceit. The use of Canada as a rhetorical tool from be it Pod Save America or be it Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times writing that Canada is now leading the free world. I know that it helps their case to say that Canada is doing all this great stuff, but the fact is we are cowering. We are we are unwilling to just say what it is, as uh, Thomas Mulcair put it, to call a spade a spade and and to actually call out this like appalling immoral behavior from the United States. But, but we're getting we're getting credit anyhow. I mean, it's, you know, we like and, and we're not talking about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously fair to say that it's you know it's more style than substance. What's what's coming out of our um, what's coming out of our government? I, it it is it is a dangerous thing though, as you know, as the closest neighbor to the United States, to um, to go out and condemn the American president. We like we have to be honest about the kind of person that Donald Trump is. He's he's erratic. He's unpredictable. He's ruthless. And the United States is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good neighbor to have when they're on your good side, and it's a terrifying neighbor to have when they're on your bad side. But we are only, you know, what five weeks into the Trump presidency. We're not even five weeks into the Trump presidency. We're not even a month into the Trump presidency. So I, 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 I think this is something that the Trudeau government's obviously going to have to grapple with, and I think we will probably see a little bit more resistance coming from some of the American government's policies if they continue down this path. But I can understand the hesitation of our government at this point. What I don't like, though, is that they try to put out this message to the general public, to the rest of the world, to Canadians, that they are all good and benevolent and taking some sort of stand. You know, if you read between the lines, they're taking some sort of stand against this when they could easily change the policies to give some substance to their words, and they're not. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, look, if if they were simply uh, putting forth a real politic, like, look, it's it, it wouldn't achieve anything for us to condemn Trump. We we do eighty five percent of our trade with these guys. Uh, we're just not going to go there. You know, I don't think it would be a very courageous stand, but at least it would be a rational one and an honest one. It's the lie that really bothers me. But I do think if we're not there yet, and maybe we are, but if we're not there yet, we are approaching a point with what the Trump administration is up to, where everyone is going to have to figure out what side they stand on it. I mean, I, I think that we're going to look back on this and neutrality is not going to be possible forever. No, I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, it's, it's uh, a, a pretty combustible time in, uh, in the Western world um, right now. So it, it will, it will be interesting to see what the government does again, if they keep going down this path, in some ways, I wonder if maybe putting out messages like that, you know, like that tweet is sort of dipping your toes in the water. What happens when you um, come out and sort of resist what's happening in the U.S. government? What happens when you sort of stand in opposition in a way, at least if it's implied, um, you know, does does a tweet like that start an all out war with with a tweet war with Donald Trump? It hasn't. So that's a good sign. Um, so maybe they'll just show a few more balls the next time. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, what was this virtue signaling or was it a weather balloon for, for uh, the coming Canadian opposition? Uh, that is a generous read. I hope you're right, Omar. Okay, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you liked it. You can email me anytime. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send and I respond when I can. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Omar, where can people find you? You can find me at Omar underscore AOK. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. Our crowdfunding site is Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Russell Gregg joined our team last week when Ashley was filling in. Big thank you to Ashley for doing that and welcome Russell. Russell also handles syndication of Canada Land to campus and community radio across this country. If you like what we do, please support us. 